0: the gift, the gift. If you were to sit down and think about some unusual gifts that someone might receive at birthday time or holiday season, what would be some of those gifts? Well, Ann and I were looking through some lists last night and we saw some unusual uh, gifts. What about... Some house shoes or slippers that look just like a loaf of bread. How would you like to wear those around, Brother Paul? Now that would remind you of the mo- one of the most important things, and that is to eat and to eat some good toast. That's right. You know we have these uh, these little rods that we use during the. Uh, fall the season when we roast marshmallows and, and um, hot dogs. And what about one of those in the shape of a fishing rod? It uh, just looks like you're fishing right there over the fire. Okay. That looks pretty good to me. One of the best things we saw on the list was um, the Death Wish Coffee Company. The Death Wish Coffee Company, the strongest coffee grounds in the world. So look that up. The Death Wish Coffee Company. Right. What about a, a, um, a shower coffee holder? Okay, That might help you. Coffee not to go cold. Shower coffee holder. What about candy canes in the flavor of ketchup? Ever heard of that? Yeah, we saw that on the list. What about uh, a bacon air freshener? If you're ever just not hungry, you could turn your little air freshener on you'd get hungry in a hurry if you smell bacon. Of course, the greatest gift is what we're talking about this morning, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness from God. The gift of forgiveness from God. We want to, of course, think about anyone who may have never received this gift. And we also want to think about how this time of the year is a great time to share the gospel from this viewpoint that God has given us a tremendous gift. Tremendous gift. And so let's focus on this gift. This gift. John chapter 4 beginning in verse 10 Jesus, talking to the woman of Samaria, said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who was saying to you and asking a drink of you, you would ask a drink of him and he would give you living water. She said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Jesus said, Whoever drinks of this well shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to him, shall never thirst. For the water that I shall give to him shall become in him a well of water springing up unto eternal life. Eternal life. The gift of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, verse 8 and 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 says that Christians have tasted of the heavenly gift. They have tasted of the heavenly gift. We want to do three things together this morning in in regard to this uh, gift. First, we want to describe this gift. We want to describe it. And we won't be able to do a complete, full description of the gift. It takes almost a lifetime to describe this great gift, but we can certainly say enough about it to motivate us. We won't describe the gift. And then secondly, we want to explore it just a little bit. We want to ask the question, well, why is it so great? Why is it so valuable? What makes it so personal? And then finally, of course, we want to remind ourselves how to receive this gift so that we can certainly share this with those around us, those that we love, those who need uh, the Lord. So first of all, let's see how that we can describe uh, this gift. The gift is a covering. It's a covering. In ancient times, when someone owed a debt they oftentimes would write that down on a piece of pottery or a stone. And then when they paid that debt, they would would take some wax and melt that and cover that stone where it's written or cover that piece of pottery where that was written to, to show that that has been paid, and they cover that. They cover that. Jesus refers to our sins as debt, Matthew 6, verse 12. He says, pray like this, pray, Father, forgive us of our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. When God forgives us, he covers our sins. We might remember the Passover from, from the Old Testament times, the, the, the deliverance of God's uh, people, God delivered them uh, through uh, from Egypt from Pharaoh, and one of the last plagues was the death of the firstborn. But He protected, He covered His own people. He said, "You take the blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish, and you take that blood, and and you take some hyssop, and you cover your doorpost with that blood." Exodus twelve thirteen says has God saying, when I see the blood, then I will pass over your dwelling and not bring the plague upon you. So it is, there is today the plague of sin. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover. Christ and His blood is our Passover. When God sees the blood of Jesus applied to our soul, then He passes over us and will not bring the plague of sin uh, to us. You see, when God forgives us, it's a covering. Psalm 32 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. There's a beatitude for you. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. It's covered. And so, forgiveness is a covering. Also, forgiveness is a casting. It's a casting. I think about when I was younger, we would be out in the woods, and we would come upon an apple tree, and oftentimes we'd, we'd find an apple on the ground, and we'd eat it right there. Nathan, we'd just eat the apple. And then we would see how far we could throw the core. Cast it as far away from us as we could. Now, sometimes the apple would already be rotten. But it was rotten on one side. You just eat the other side and then throw it. But You had to be careful because sometimes there's a yellow jacket in the rotten part. So, whoo, watch out there. But nonetheless, don't let a good apple go to waste. Then we would throw it as far as we could. It's what God does to our sins, He casts them. Isaiah 38, 17 says, God cast our sins behind his back. And he remembers them no more. Isaiah 38, verse 17. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19 says, God cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Most of us have done some reading about the the bottom of the ocean. And how a lot of times there's almost like there's not a bottom. There's caves. And there's ruts. And to where... You, you lose something in the bottom of the ocean, it's, it's really lost and lost and lost. It's just gone. That's what the writer is saying there in Micah 7. He cast our sins into the depths of the sea, and they're, they're gone. They're gone. Psalm 103 in verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so, go, so far God has removed our sins. David's sins, you know, With Bathsheba and Uriah. Nathan the prophet was sent to him. 2 Samuel chapter 12. If you look down at 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. You see that David says to Nathan. He said Nathan I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan says to David. The Lord has removed your sin. He has taken it away and you will not die. Now notice the connection there. If David's sin is not forgiven, he's going to die. But since his sin is going to be taken away, the Lord is going to remove your sin, David, so therefore you're not going to die. Sin is a casting away. Or rather, forgiveness, I should say, is a casting away. It's a covering and then it's a casting away. But it's also a clearing of the way. There's a clearing of the way. And there's a little verse you'll want to look at in Isaiah forty-four, twenty-two. Isaiah forty-four and twenty-two. What sin does is it becomes like a cloud, a big thick cloud, a fog, foggy type cloud between us and God. And when God forgives us, he clears the way. You've you've been driven, you you've been driving before and and you come into just a foggy area. And you have to slow down and you you begin to wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to drive, be able to drive carefully during this patch of fog? But then once you get out of it, it's just everything becomes clear. Just last night I was going down um, the old road of 024 and one of the valleys had just a very thick fog in it. It didn't last very long, but then you come out of that fog. And that's what God does. He removes that thick cloud between us and Him when He forgives us. It's a clearing of the way. But also, forgiveness is a cleansing, as you very well know. Forgiveness is a cleansing. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 22, he says, seeing then that you have purified yourselves in your obedience to the truth unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart uh, fervently. Mm -hmm. We purify our souls when we obey him. We know that when when Ananias came to to Saul, he said, Why do you tarry? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Forgiveness is a is a cleansing, is a cleansing. Peter says it like this in, in Acts 3.19, he says, When we obey God blots out our sins. He blots it out. He erases it. It's gone. He erases it. What was dirty is now clean. What was marked up is now clear. There's a cleansing aspect to it. And then forgiveness is a new creation. It's it's a, it's a start over point. God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. God is tremendously compassionate. It's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's hard to believe. But there it is. And so we could go on and on and on about describing This gift, this gift of forgiveness. But how important it is that we be able to take a few words and be able to share this with others and be able to let these principles sink down deep into our hearts. In the second place, let's explore this a little bit. Let's explore this a little bit. We want to know just why this is so valuable to us. We need to take some time and just meditate on this gift. One way of doing that is to remember, to remind ourselves of the depths of sin. How bad sin is. Okay, Let's think about that for just a minute. When we sin, we are fighting against God. Think about that. When we sin, we are fighting against God. James 4 and verse 4 You adulterers and adulteresses. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever would make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's not a place we want to be, is it? In Philippians chapter 3, 18 and 19, Paul says, Those who mind earthly things, those whose God is their belly, who serve their own self-interest, whose end is perdition, Paul said, I say this to you with tears. They are the enemies of the cross of Jesus. Romans 5 verse 10 says that before we come to Christ, we are enemies. Later, after we obey Christ, we submit to Him in gospel obedience. We're baptized into Him. We are reconciled back to Him. But before one comes to Christ, we are enemies with Him. We are fighting Against him. Can you think of a worse position to be in than to be opposing the creator of the world? The most powerful person that you could ever imagine, ever enter into your thoughts. Can you imagine being in a position of fighting against God? Think about the depths of sin and think about it this way when we sin, we are filth before God we are filth before God. Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians uh, 7 verses 1 and 2 of the of the defilement, the defilement of flesh and spirit. We need to be cleansed of the defilement of the flesh and spirit. With our flesh we sin, with our spirit we sin. With our body we say things that we ought not to say. With our, eyes, with our eyes, we see things we ought not to see. With our ears, we hear things we ought not to hear. With our eyes, we read things we ought not to read. With our bodies, we create habits that ought not to be there. We do deeds that we are ashamed of later. There are the defilements of the flesh. There's also the defilements of the spirit. We think things. We think thoughts we ought not to think. Sometimes we we think hateful thoughts. We think thoughts of vengeance. Perhaps our thoughts are are selfish. Perhaps our thoughts are full of doubt or fear or worry. See, there are defilements of the flesh and spirit. James says in James 4 and verse 8, Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. See? Before God, we are filth. When we sin, we are fighting against God. When we sin, we are filth before God. And think about it this way. We are failures to God when we sin. We are failures to God. One of the basic definitions of sin in the New Testament is to miss the mark. To miss the mark. God has a particular ideal expectations for us. We, as Romans 3.23 says, we fall short of the glory of God. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. It's a high standard because God thinks a lot of us, but we fall short. Sometimes we go beyond the mark. 2 John verse 9 says, Whoever goes onward and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God, but he that abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So to miss the mark is to fall short or to go beyond or just to fail God. We know what we ought to do before God. But when we fail to do this, this is sin before God. James four seventeen says that very thing. He who knows to do good, he who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Isn't that James? Yeah, James 4, uh, verse 17. Can you think about that for a minute? Think about being a failure to God. That's what sin brings to our life. Think about the time wasted in sin. The time wasted. Think about while we were in sin, the people that were lost, Think about influence being destroyed because of our sin. Think about the children who are now confused. They have no idea what to do with life because of sin. Time wasted. People lost. Influence destroyed. Children confused. Failures before God. But the gift of forgiveness Says God says, I will forgive you of every bit of this if you will but come to me, if you will submit to me. It's hard to believe, but it shows us the enormous size of God's heart. If you want to be able to measure the size of God's heart, here it is. Here's what we look like to God in our sin, but He is willing to forgive us every bit of it. That's what I mean by exploring the gift. And before we leave the idea of exploring, think about it from God's standpoint. Forgiveness is not not about who we are. Forgiveness is not about who we are. It's about who God is. Let's remember this. It's not about who we are. It's about who God is. We can never be good enough To deserve God's goodness. We can never do enough. To earn God's love. It's all about Him. You see. Now. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says. God is rich in mercy. And He has a great love wherewith He loves us. Someone has said it this way. God in His mercy, He feels for us in our sinful situation. He feels for us. Perfectly feels for us. And then God in His love, He desires the very best for us. And then God in His kindness, He is willing to sacrifice for us and provide us a way out of sin. That's the wonderful recipe, if you will. That's the wonderful combination of God's grace, mercy, love, and kindness. He wants us to come out of our sin. He desires it in a perfect way. He has provided the way through the sacrifice of His Son. He has abundant kindness uh, to us. And we could read again and again of the great attributes... Of God and be well worth our time, but just remember this it's not about who we are, it's about who He is. And so, having described the forgiveness that comes from God, this great gift, and having explored it a little bit, let's do the final thing here this morning, and that's to see how we can receive the gift. How do we receive? Uh, the gift. Some people have a lot of different answers about this, but we do know this: it begins with the Bible. It begins with the Bible. Receiving this gift begins with the Bible. It has to, because there is no other way. Jeremiah ten twenty three says, "The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps." We cannot even begin to bring salvation to ourselves. We cannot come up with enough think tanks. We cannot come up with enough uh, committees. We on ourselves or even any combination of human thought cannot bring forgiveness. We must have communication from God. We might as well be blindfolded in a traffic jam driving, blindfolded in a traffic jam at rush hour in Atlanta, Georgia, as to try to somehow invent forgiveness for ourselves. It just doesn't happen. Tom Holland used to say it like this when he talked about the importance of the Bible and communication from God. He said, think of a blind man in a dark cellar looking for a black cat and he's not sure that cat's there in the first place. He said, that's just how utterly lost we are without communication from God. You see, the gospel is God's power unto salvation, Romans 1 and verse 16. James says in James 1 and verse 21, We are to receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls. When the word is implanted into our hearts, that's when we have an opportunity to be saved from our souls. The devil knows this because Jesus explains it in Luke 8, 11 and 12 that when the Word comes into our heart, the first thing the devil wants to do is to get that Word out of our heart lest we should believe and be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, Paul says, I declare unto you the Gospel which you have received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved if you hold fast to the Word. It begins... With the Bible, this forgiveness being able to receive this gift begins with the Bible, and then from there we must talk about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Hebrews teaches us a lot about this. Hebrews nine twenty two says that without the shedding of blood there there can be no remission of sins. That's God's wisdom. That's God's way. Without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins. But Hebrews 10 and verse 4 says that the blood of bulls and goats cannot bring that forgiveness. It's impossible. And so we look for another way. The only way is through the blood of Jesus. Looking down to Hebrews 10 and verse 19, notice that we're able now to enter into the holy place, have access to the holy place because of the blood of Jesus. In other places we read in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, that through the blood of Jesus, the blood of the cross, peace can be made with God. Because of the blood of the cross, peace can be made with God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 19, Peter says, We're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold or the traditions of man handed down from generation to generation. But he says, we are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. You know the importance of... Of the blood. Notice in Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In Jesus Christ we have redemption through his blood. That is the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And notice that in particular. We can have the forgiveness of our trespasses through his blood, and this is all according to the riches of his grace. To receive that gift, we had to have the Bible. God has granted that to us. We had to have the blood of Jesus. God has granted that to us as well. But then the next step along the way is belief. Belief. All of this is meant to bring a great deal of of heartfelt, deep down committed faith uh, in our souls. John 8 and 24, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Think about that for a minute. Except you believe, you shall die in your sins. That's why belief is so important. It starts right there. It starts right there. Romans 2 and verse 4 says, The goodness and kindness and long-suffering of our God leads us to repent. That belief in God leads us to, to repent, to, to want to change our ways and to submit to him. John 20 13 and 31 we read many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. So all of this that we we learn about, all of this about sin, this importance of forgiveness and the greatness of forgiveness and how personal it can be to our lives. All of this is to create within us a heart of belief. It's a strong belief. It's a true belief. James 2 and 17 says that faith without works is dead. But the reverse of that is very much true as well. That faith with works, faith with submission... Faith that leads to submission. Faith that leads to repentance. Faith that leads to confession. Faith that leads to commitment. Faith that leads to obedience. Faith that leads to us giving our lives uh, to Christ. Uh, That is very much alive. The type of faith that will do that is a faith that is alive. And that's the kind of faith we want. And then there's baptism. There's baptism. It brings the cleansing of the soul. As Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. The light figure now, even now, does baptism, uh, does also now save us. Baptism does also now save us. It's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not a cleansing of the flesh. It's not, it's not removing physical dirt from our physical body. But rather there is something that's filthy. There is something that has been perverted. There is something that is twisted. And that is our soul. Because The reason it is twisted and perverted is because of sin. But baptism is a part of that cleansing. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh. But there is something that's dirty. But it's the appeal to God for a good conscience. When we obey God through belief and repentance, confession and baptism, then we can know that He is giving us that good conscience, that that forgiveness that allows us to have that good conscience, that that clear confidence before God. And so all we wanted to do this morning together is simply look at describing this gift. Explore it in just a few minutes. And also see Well, how do you receive this gift? How do you receive it? I think about that little boy on the movie Polar Express. The little boy that's lonely. Hasn't had much in his life. Little Billy. And little Billy sees on the little conveyor belt, he sees a gift, a a wrapped box. It was up to me this morning I'd have a big wrapped box. Box up here just to keep this in our thoughts. But little Billy sees this gift and he sees his name on it and he just jumps and he just grabs it and he hangs onto it and there he goes down the little conveyor belt. He will not let go of that gift. That ought to express to us the importance of the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, how we ought to just grab onto it, we ought to receive it. Receive it the way God says to receive it, and never let it go. There are some folks who have received the gift, but they took it back to God. They told God, God, I don't want this. This doesn't mean anything to me. You ever had a gift that way? I have. I have. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm going to say it right here. Okay. Okay. I'm putting my life on the line a little bit because it involves my older sister. But when I was at Faulkner University, my sister was thinking about me. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. She was, and she does that now. She, she takes care of all of us right now. Okay. And I'm not ashamed to say this. She may be listening right now. I'm just as nervous as a rat right now because I don't know exactly how this is going to be taken, but she knows how I feel about this. She sent me a sweater in the mail. Which I, you know, when you're cold, you like a good sweater. Larry knows about this. Some of the worst sweaters in the world right there in his closet. But when I opened that that gift, if that sweater wasn't pink, I'm not standing here. My sister sent me a pink sweater and I and I, I had a gift I had a wrapped gift and I just took it into the Bible class where all the guys were standing and they, I unwrapped that gift right there in front of all the other guys a pink sweater and I tell you what I had, I had to talk to my sister about that <laughs> here's a gift the gift of salvation it ought to mean the most to us. It ought to mean so much to us that we'd want other people to have it. And we never need to let it go. Let us not take it back to God. Let us value that gift from here on out, forever and ever. We can assist anyone with this gift of salvation. Won't you come and receive this gift and never let it go right now as we stand together? As we stand together.